So you were saying you think it's going to be easier for us to talk about ourselves uh, than something as esoteric as white supremacy, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, like I know we we this we've shifted the time slot and I've been running around all day and now you're wearing a hilarious clown nose or Rudolph sure. nose. I don't know. It's it's a red nose. I think it's a red. I got going clown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't light up. I guess that's Rudolph. Um, so yeah, you know, and, and I was it's summer and I was at a I had a couple beers and. You know, usually I'm just dead sober when we talk because it's dead serious action here. That's what it's about. It. And yep. so I think my comment was like, yeah, it, you know, it, for a lot of reasons, which I think we'll maybe unpack, uh, there's a bit of like, yeah, looking at our journey here and looking at a couple of things that have come up. And yeah, yeah I think my, my reaction was, uh, oh yeah, like I don't really want to think a whole lot today. So it feels way, way easier to... Um, to just talk about us and our journey than to like unpack some esoteric or academic concept. That's interesting. Well, see, this is one of the many interesting things about you and I, where to me, act like unpacking like a philosophical, semantic, et cetera. I mean, that is like, that's caffeine to me. That's yerba mate. Whereas doing myself is like also enjoyable but certainly drains much more of my battery uh, innately. But I think we, not to say that, oh my gosh, so therefore that's how I exist, so you're a liar, but rather than to highlight how, I think we, this is one of the great things about us is we have very contrary sort of like energy flows and drains or whatever, I think, which makes us good complementarian co-hosts on this journey. And today we would have been talking about uh, white supremacy and then, but instead today we're going to be talking, I don't even know what the question is. Uh, what the hell happened? Question mark. <laughs> uh, we, last week uh, we took a dead, we took a dead week, um, but we had two episodes uh, shelved, but now we did these episodes. Andy wild, wisely sort of put the caveat. He's like, eh, these are going to be especially prickly and sensitive. We do third rail topics every week, but this is an especially electrically charged one. This is definitely something we should be like just conscious as to how we proceed. So let's do it. Let's listen to it. Let's maybe maybe I'll get some feedback, um, and then see whether we put them up or not. So we recorded two episodes. I thought they were great, um, uh, although. The first one was probably slightly meandering as or coning as we started talking about the way the dogs smell, you know, back and forth, kind of chasing the cone, uh, kind of coning their way towards the, the center of the, the sweet uh, lollipop. Um, but then, uh, Andy, you went and got feedback, which ultimately led to us talking about it and pause at the very least, who knows, maybe shelving those episodes or pausing those episodes uh, until we can sort of reckon through it. So I guess today we're sort of reckoning through that as well as kind of reckoning through what we're reckoning through. <laughs> it's, it's a day of reckoning. Yeah. I want to like add a W to that, like reckoning. Yes. Wreck it Ralph style. Uh, yeah. And I don't, I don't know that you named it just now, but you know, that topic was abortion. Yeah. And I mean, I had said, even when we set out on this journey that, that I imagined that would be like our season finale or, you know, who, we have no idea when a season might end. You know, it could be 10 episodes yeah. or 300. Yeah. Um, and 
Yeah, I think I I am processing a lot around that in real time, and this this is uh, something I'm willing and maybe wanting to do on this show is yeah like come to terms with without unpacking that exact issue but maybe look at the process of getting feedback mm -hmm. and, and how i've um how that has struck me and, and some of it i've shared with you yeah um, and there's things you know we can learn i mean there's certainly some format notes that i think are valuable for both of us yeah um and then there's this piece of it for me around uh, boldness, mm. uh, me being Andy Swindler. Oh, that's right. And if I say me, I do mean Brendan McNamara. Yes, those are the two me's. Because, I, you know, there's no I in team, but there is a me. Absolutely. Coach never liked that. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, I just watched Hoosiers the other day. Good, classic, good, co good, co good coach, terrible person, good coach kind of thing. Um, where, hmm. yeah, okay, so for me, uh, we decided to pause these episodes and I, I'm retreading some of the stuff that we spoke about uh, via text or whatever. Um, I immediately, of course, wanted to see, you got the feedback from three different people. I went and got feedback from absolutely no one, um, which I think speaks, people might be like, listening to the show, I'm not surprised about that, Brendan. Um, I just, it's so funny, I've never been that interested, until more, more so recently, but never been super interested in, <laughs> gosh, this is gonna sound so dicky as an actor, but whatever, uh, what the audience thinks. <laughs> I really don't. It's one of the reasons I've never really cared about theater. I've done a ton, but like, I don't, I don't really think it's that great of a medium. I was like, it's a little too like, it's a little too necessary for the audience to be completely on board. And then even when they're bored or even when it's their fault, like I think if you've ever seen a Broadway show, you know, uh, there are good audience, when you say good audiences or bad audiences, that doesn't just mean like our set was good or bad. No, some audiences are literally bad. They come in, there's, a, there's too many distracted people, there's too many people on their phone, there's too many people who can't hear properly, whatever, a whole bus full of people who can't hear because they won't turn their hearing aids on or whatever like that, that sort of thing, all the way down to just distracted people because life is hard. Um, so interestingly enough, I went and got no feedback. So then my immediate thing was like, oh, okay, I just want to get, hear your feedback. Um, and thus far, <laughs> I think this is certainly something I've had to struggle with is there's a consistency of the feedback um, and people, it sounds like, may not be a huge fan of me. <laughs> so, so I've had to wrestle with that in terms of like, okay, well, how much is the audience's fault and how much is that my, my fault? Same time as any time I'm on stage. You know what I mean? You're like, mm, are there, am I blaming the audience for what I've done poorly or are, am, am I improperly blaming myself for what the audience has done poorly? And that is always a, I mean, that's untangling overcooked spaghetti, you know? <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> image. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm the objective piece here that could be measured, which I think is often the frame you enjoy uh, and I appreciate is airtime. Yeah. Just how much time do we spend speaking? and. I think we're not going to go back and measure it. If, if anybody wants to volunteer to do that, we'll accept the data. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Send it to anything. I, yeah. 
I think anything at totallyclassic.com will, will go to me. Nice. And the first person who does it, I will send you uh, a free sticker. It won't necessarily have anything to do with the show, but I'll just send you a cool sticker. Oh, he does have the coolest stickers. That, that's actually a really awesome I do. Yeah. offer. My, my kids have taken quite a few of them, just so you know, but I still got some awesome ones. They just, they take my really nice ones sometimes where I'm like, yes, I've had it for seven years. I don't know why I've kept it, but I, I didn't want you to take it. <laughs> 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 this may or may not relate to Brendan's personality on the show. Um, yeah, yeah. So Brendan tends to talk more. Uh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, sorry. That's what you're measuring. That's what you need to measure, folks. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I realize in, as I'm going back and listening, I'll say kind of half of what I'm thinking. And I realize yeah. that's not the best. So I so I can I can work on my expressiveness <laughs> and talking more. I mean, that that's yeah. like my lifelong journey is to actually, you know, yeah. say something. Um, so, so I think we're, you know, balanced in that way. One of the, I think a couple of things happened though. You know, one is people, especially I'm sending it to people who are, you know, they love me and they, they, yeah. are, so they're kind of going to be biased to be like, why are, why are you talking more? One of the yeah. things I think is true. Yeah. We'll need the data to, to prove this uh, is that we, you know, we are more sort of alternating like topics that we're really passionate about or that we've done tons of yep. research about yeah and that's that's exciting i mean this whole thing kind of started around some of the pandemic stuff which is what you were more plugged into and we've we've but we've woven in other pieces and the reality is you know i think you've spent something like 30 years um thinking deeply about abortion as an ethical quantity yeah. of humanity yeah yeah whereas i'm just i'm more of adopted my family unit um ideology uh, of being pro-choice and so you know for me a lot of this is unpacking you know like well what do I really think and and why do I think that yeah and, and so so a lot of those ideologies I, I still stick with but it's it's coming to coming to terms I guess coming to age in a way of me deciding that and knowing why I think that yeah yeah which one's yours yeah and so that's it's interesting some of the feedback I got was like like, oh, I, you know, I know you can be a bold stand for, for you know, the autonomy of women and the choice of women, and I, and I want you to hear that. And I kind of heard in that that the, the goal, maybe people perceive the goal of this show is for me to, like, um, debate you, for me to, at an absolute minimum, sort of, like, stand toe-to-toe, -to -toe, like, have equal airtime and sort of, you know, point for point, whatever, but maybe even like that this would be a medium where one of us is supposed to win. And we've yeah. said from the outset that that's really not the intention. Uh, it, it, you know, the hope is that the, the expectation actually is that we're gonna leave a lot of these shows not having like radically shifted each other's perspective at, the, at that macro level, like the big huge binary of like yes. uh, of, of the third rail, but, but hopefully on a, maybe a lot more of the microscopic pieces um yeah. the micro binaries and and again just just knowing on any of these topics either of us or maybe have have put less thought and research into that we come out of it with a deeper understanding of why we even think that thing or why we even believe that thing oh yeah i love i mean to me that is just one of the great joys of human existence and one of the reasons humans uh are sometimes regarded as depends on your circle uh as regarded as quote-unquote higher life forms um, the reason we can think and plan. Um, and so it's so fun to do that. It's so fun to exercise our speciest, speciest, uh, our speciesist uh, privilege um, in thinking. So then it's like, 
in general, like I, I always find it delightful when I discover I've been thinking something and I don't know why I'm thinking it. Cause then I'm like, it just, to me, it's like opening a whole, finding an extra room in my house where I was like, look at all the thinking I get to do now <laughs> to figure out why I know this. Well, and I was so excited in the abortion episode, especially because I was like, yes, I've been literally talking, arguing this for 30 something years. And then with a whole mess of people. And then if you hadn't, I was like, well, that's great. But that also speaks to a, a worldview thing that I probably haven't talked about on here, but I've been arguing about it to some degree with Archie, um, my wife. And she is a firm believer in um, years, the years that go into craft and expertise and those things being of preeminent, almost exclusive value in terms of where you would turn to evaluate something. Um, and I don't, like I am, a firm believer in uh, pursuing craft, elevating craft, executing craft, practicing all that sort of stuff. But I also think there are people out there who can walk in the room, give them 10 minutes and they can whoop your ass in whatever you're doing without any of the experience you have, any of the skill. They're gonna make some mistakes that you would be able to avoid, but they still, anyone, there are people out there who will be step in, never having done it, who will rookie and be able to see things you've never seen. And I think if you have any acumen whatsoever, it's almost guaranteed that a, that a brand new newbie someone is going to teach a 40 year expert who has humility. So for me, I was excited because I was like, especially in the first abortion episode, which I think is what at least one person I listened to some of that, the whole first episode was pretty much like, let's go through all the false arguments. And I was like, I had my reasons as to why I was dismissing them. But basically what I did is I brought up, uh, this is why I was talking a lot. Uh, well, one of many reasons. Uh, so I brought up like eight, nine, 10, 11 different things. And I was like, okay, here's the popular thing that people say, but here's my reasoning as to why that's actually not fundamental at all. So we can get rid of that. So let's only talk about the real stuff. And we eventually got to the real stuff. Um, and so I thought, especially since you hadn't reasoned through things, I was like, oh, you, and the same way when you do, when you do your episode on white supremacy, I have very little like knowledge base about it. But I think that makes, I was like, that makes me a super valuable person because I can come at it as, as a relative naive and then just be like, well, all right. And all I'm listening to is literally what you're saying. I'm not coming and being like, oh, this means something about you or thing. Or, you know, I'm just like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Or that doesn't make sense. Or what question or hmm, just look, because as long as we have the ability to reason, which we all do, then I was like, it can become a pure reason exercise. Whereas for me, it's difficult for abortion to be a pure reason exercise because it's, again, it's something that's so entangled with like a literal lifetime of advocacy or uh, experience or loss or tragedy. You know what I mean? All that, uh, all that sort of stuff. So anyway, I'm, I'm a big believer. I, I, that is something, I know something we, we sort of talked about before recording this episode, we could talk about like what we're trying to get up to. That definitely speaks to something that I am trying to get up to on this which is like to, to reason together and also to, to kind of share space back and forth as to being the, the somewhat the sort of thought leader into like, what are we exploring? The adventurer, the person with the torch, the Indiana Jones, and at other times being short round where I'm just gonna be behind you and just asking naive questions and making jokes, you know what I mean? Because that's, I, I think shifting back and forth between those modes, kind of being a leader and a follower is helpful for me in both of those capacities, you know, I think and hopefully helpful for just any human being. Now I'm stuck on is, is short round racist because 
I have entered a phase in my life where I'm evaluating everything I've ever grown up with, every piece of media. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought about starting a, like a men's group that was, or or a branch of a men's group where we would just watch like some of those hyper masculine movies. Like, yeah, anything with Harrison Ford pretty much. Yeah. And just any James Bond movie. Not just going in with the bias of like, oh, this is horrible, but like, how did this impact us? How did this affect? How did this affect? Yeah, and how do we? And then how do we ignore it? And then like, I mean, I think so many of those things. I think again, I I think nuance is malarkey, but I think there's a bunch of binaries, (laughs) miniature binaries to be gleaned. And I think we as a culture, I think that's a great thing to go in and let's re-examine everything in our own heads, in our own culture, because I think we have a tendency to. to just chuck, to go macro, to pretend the macro is the binary and then just like chuck things out. You know what I mean? Problematic, canceled. Can't watch that anymore. Song of the South, not on Disney Plus. As opposed to being like, well, you could read, you could read flipping whatever, the Communist Manifesto. Communism, uh, people have, more people have died under communist regimes than any other ideology on the planet, right? but you could read the communist manifesto and still glean things from it that are true and helpful and good and wonderful. You know, just like you can, uh, even uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, you know, maybe not the best, maybe it wasn't the best one. <laughs> There's something good in there. And you know what? People talk and people talk like short round in the real world. Like even if they were doing it as a racial stereotype, you still will meet people who are racial stereotypes in the world. So then, as an artist, you're stuck in this weird thing. You're like, well, do I just pretend that people don't do that because it sounds bad? Because <laughs> it certainly sounded bad. I it, mean, wasn't, as- <laughs> it wasn't the worst one though. No, oh gosh, no. Nuke nuke the fridge. Did, did that, I can't remember. Did the fourth one come out? Did we see that together? I don't think we saw it together. I saw it, I saw it way late, like I saw it I don't know when it like when it made it to streaming or whatever, like when it was free somewhere. Okay, we and we may have like we may be like down in the hole, like nobody has any fucking clue what we're talking about. So we're talking about Indiana Jones for yes, something about something about the Crystal Skull. Yes, yes. So worse than being racist is just being bad. (laughs) Somewhat racist but proficient. Okay. I mean, my, other than that, if we if we got rid of things that were racist and and efficient, we we might throw out like an enormous amount of the Western canon and art. You know, I think I'm pretty sure. Oh, Picard, like, yeah, most I mean, of it. <laughs> most of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is why. Again, again, I won't even stop listening to Art Kelly, guys. That's that's where I'm at. Terrible person. Think he should be in jail. Kind of a cult leader, um, but. Uh, I, I still play I Believe I Can Fly for my kids and we all sing it, so. And now I'm wondering about the, the old woman who spoke jive in Airplane. Yep. I mean, I thought it was hilarious. I still think it's hilarious. I think, I think literally most people find it hilarious. I think people who spoke jive probably thought it was hilarious that someone was trying to speak jive. It's hilarious to me that anyone even would that was even a remote consideration that there was literally a dialect referred to as jive. I barely believe it. Because while it might be a bit racist, it's actually anti-ageist. Yeah, anti-ageist, yeah. Well, and anti-racist because it's 
it's unconcerned with the racial implications of who should that someone by virtue of their skin color should or shouldn't be speaking a particular way. So in that way, it's literally trying to dismantle any concept whatsoever of race. So who, whoever thought, whoever thought airplane, airplane was woke? No one, including the, the Zucker brothers. Um, oh, but see, and this is the thing. Okay, so people, let's go back to the thing. So um, yeah, talk, so I taught, and this is obviously evidenced by this episode as well. I talk a ton more than Andy does. But that was another thing about the show that I was like, I'm not that worried about because that's how we also communicate. I mean, if we, I don't have my phone on me right now, but if I pulled out our text thread or whatever, I mean, it's pretty much the same. That's the thing too, because at first, okay, so I, we got feedback that basically I just like was dominating the time in one of the feedback things. And I was like, I, I don't disagree with that. And I probably can leave more room to some degree, but at the same time, that's how I like, I think it's up to everyone to process to their maximum. And so I process verbally to my, like maximally. And so like, let me give my 100% and then you can give your 100%. And I think in general, I've always thought of myself as like, I'm hyperverbal and I'll say 400 words. And then you'll often say like 40 words. And as I've often been told that like, the more, you, the less you say, the more impactful what you're saying is. So then I don't have to worry about heft at all because by honestly, by virtue of me saying so many things that to most people, it sounds like devalues the very words I'm saying. Now, I don't agree with that, but that's what I hear a lot. So then I was like, then word count, would that even be, we would then have to, what you'd actually have to measure is not word count on the air, <laughs> but impact, electromagnetic impact of said words on audiences and, or you'd have to be able to measure internal words versus external words. So then it's like, what percentage of the words in your head are you speaking? I don't, I don't know where I'm at. I don't even know how to measure that. But anyway, I was going to pull my phone out, but this is, I, I've been mostly releasing these as audio. But like in our text threads, for example, I'm, I'm in blue on mine and it's like, let's not front. It's an F load of blue. I mean, there'll be like blue, 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 blue. Oh, it's not showing up right now, which is super weird. But it's like bluey blue, 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 blue. That's all me, me. There's you. <laughs> There's you, me, 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 you, 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 me, 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 you. So like, this is also how we process, not in me shutting you down. We have equal opportunity to, I mean, you were, you're in the airport for 12 hours. And so we were talking back and forth about many different things, um, including a super weird picture of your mom smelling something. I'll just leave that one right there uh, for the internet. Uh, no, but like we process differently. And I guess we always have. So I think for me, I was like, all right, well, Andy's gonna, Andy will talk when he's talking and I'll try not to interrupt, but I'll just talk until, until it's time for someone else to speak. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's um, I mean, one thing I, I don't want, um, the whole idea of, of seeking feedback is, is intriguing. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we we're both people who always wanna improve and, and try to gather data and, yeah. In some ways, I think you're probably better at that, better at receiving that than I am. I mean, I know I, I, I can take things personally um, as much as I try not to. And, you know, one thing that's come up, there's, there's the volume, which 
you know, what I, what I don't want to happen is that I allow feedback to really start sculpting how I show up here. Cause the whole intention was for me to show up and be, be authentic, be true. Um, and and it, it's interesting that choice of the word bold because they're, I think some people were advocating for me to be a bold stance for a specific ideology. Oh, interesting. Sure. And, and, and my reaction and I'm working through this is like, well, I'm here to be a bold stance for this kind of dialogue. Yeah. Where, where, where the goal is not to overpower you or win, but the goal is for us to reveal these pieces to each other yeah, and we do them publicly because maybe maybe others would benefit from that, whatever side of anything they're on. That they yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's one thing I'm I'm kind of working through, um, and so part of that is like not wanting to like artificially increase my my volume quantity <laughs> or volume loudness. Uh, yeah, I mean there, you know, there there could be an argument to to affect that I guess the way I show up and the way I, I put it out but that's not my intention and I you know it's interesting how that comes across um yeah and you know because I enjoy hearing you uh and and clearly some don't as you yeah. mentioned a minute ago some of it's just <laughs> some of the feedback has nothing to do with what you're actually saying or standing for it's just like well I don't like him I'm like okay <laughs> I know well, that's the hardest thing where I'm just like, well, I don't, do you hate something that's essentially me or do you say hate something that I'm doing? In which case as an actor, I mean, like me receiving, I think that's one reason why it's some, somewhat easier for me though, Andy too, is like my life has been trying to present a version of myself then getting feedback and changing myself based on that. Mm. Now, now, if I'm not being paid, I'm much less inclined <laughs> to alter myself. You know what I mean? Based on that feedback. But me hearing feedback or being like, mm. I mean, it's not weird as an actor to be like, ah, I don't know, that take was terrible. So let's just do that again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it'd be nice to have more specific notes. But so then when I get feedback of like, in, the, in that case, the one that I read or whatever, it was like, uh, uh, basically that I'm, I shouldn't say obnoxious. You had a better word than that. Anyway, but like that obnoxious or, or and dangerous and, um, uh, and uh, not pontificating. She's again. She used a better word. I I, I don't mean to uh, use worse words. But basically, just like what I'm awful. And which I was like, well, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, to some degree, I want people who disagree with me to think I'm awful and to think I'm wonderful. And I want people who agree with me to think I'm awful and think I'm wonderful. Because then I feel like I'm probably in a good safe zone of like trying to reason things together. You know. And I, you, know, you said something really interesting. I was like, I never thought about this. Something I th think about this, this is like the question you phrased of like, what is this show? Like another thing that I think this show is, is like putting a puzzle piece together and everyone puts puzzles together differently. And whether I put in like a bunch of edges, like let's say I put 15 edges down and you put down three pieces in the flipping middle, then you, it's just like, well, you're not, you're not pulling your weight. You only did three pieces. It's like, well, you did three middle pieces. Those are harder. You know what I mean? And those are obscure things. And so I, I, I often feel I'm like, like I assume, and this is where I want to like talk about abortion with you. I was like, here's how me finishing the puzzle, but you're going to be like that piece is upside down. <laughs> you know what I mean? And even if, if it's my driver and you point out one thing that I can flip and go, oh, that's good. I was like, I know your mind and I know your mind works very differently than mine. 
So there's almost no way that my reasoning won't become more accurate in conversation with you. Whether or not, again, we like change each other's minds or think fundamentally different. I was like, I, I know, I, I know we're gonna do the puzzle differently. And I'm not really worried about like, like who, who did which piece or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, one of the things that was, was also raised by a few different folks and not even just about that episode, but was, I guess the perception is if I talk less, people have used this phrase, like I'm giving you a platform. And I'm just really confused by that. Now I understand if it's, if it's, if it's one where you uh, have focused on it more, I think we each go naturally into like a little bit of interview style. We ask each other questions throughout, yeah. um, but I think maybe that's what they're responding to is if, is if I'm asking more questions, because then that seems to frame it traditionally like, ah, oh, you're, you're the one here, you know, you're the thought leader or whatever, be, being interviewed, like sharing information. Oh, so interesting. I, I, and I'm, I'm guessing a little there. Um, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like a few folks I really, really respect have, have, have mentioned that. Yeah. So it's, it's worth unpacking a little bit, you know, and, but part of it, again, just seems to go back to like, if they don't agree with your ideology, they seem more likely to say that. Like, I, that's, know, yeah, I don't know. I, it's hard. To, I'm glad you said that because honestly, this is the trap uh, that I've, I've been put, shoved into many times where it's like, I don't, <laughs> if I say, I think your criticism is invalid largely because you just don't agree with me. And so you're calling me these things. Um, that immediately seems defensive. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that makes me look like I'm not processing. Now, I shouldn't care about how things appear. And largely I don't, but I'm, I'm, I'm open enough and aware enough to like also kind of see where things land. Um, so, but that was my enormous part of my struggle when people, and again, if someone uses words like dangerous that me talking about like, rational, especially that first episode, talking about reasoning, how do we reason through these arguments about abortion? Then if that, I don't, I don't understand in what world that could be dangerous or in what world that's giving a platform. And that's a word, that's just a phrase I've seen thrown around a lot. And I'm like, I'm not, I would never be concerned about quote unquote, giving a platform to someone's thoughts. You know what I mean? Like, as long as it's an open forum where those thoughts can be challenged you know, and you, and, and reason through. And I think the funny thing is I actually think interrogation is the power move. Like the, the person it's like Joe Rogan has an interview podcast, right? It's called the flipping Joe Rogan show. He has the power as the question asker. And I find this when I reason with people online, the people who constantly ask questions, I'm always, I feel some, it, it's, uh, it's, it's almost, what is it? It's activating my body. It gets me like, Oh, we're trying to fight then? Is that what's going on? Because to me, introducing, I, I'm the one who's asking questions here, is it puts that person in the role of the interrogator, which gives the person who's asking questions power. And I find it, I find asking questions, especially in the middle of trying to reason something through, I find it kind of aggressive. Now, I realize not everyone feels that way. So I always try to like breathe through it and be like, maybe that's not how they mean it. Sometimes it certainly is. Um, but yeah, so that's fascinating to me, the, the, the idea of, um, and again, this is why I like doing this with you because you think almost very differently or opposite, you know? 
But I, I think that's interesting. So even I asked a question or two on here and it put me, I, maybe I should put the video up so people could see me. I'm a confident speaker most of the time. You can hear by my extensive strengths of soliloquy. But when I had to ask a question, there was like a pause and I was like, okay, what's the question? I have to ask a question. I close my eyes, my shoulders go back, my head kind of tilts here and I go, um, okay. Um, you know what I mean? Cause it's weird for me to shift into like, it feels bossy. <laughs> So it's funny when people are like, you're so domineering. And I was like, oh man, that's really not, that's really, that's kind of the opposite thing that I want to be. So I, those, that, the feedback hits me in that way. And I was like, oh, like, why does, why do I keep being received in that fashion? And we talked about this on the show too, the people not understand that into, like sharing one's rationality is enormously uh, intellectually, it's an intellectual vulnerability. Um, but I don't know if people have the language for it the same way we do you know, about like emotional vulnerability. I think because we're such a therapy steeped culture now um so we have those systems anyway but i just find that fascinating that you have a you have a have a almost um like a, a an opposite relationship with the power dynamic of asking questions but i wonder are you in spaces here this is me asking a question i'm just like i'm a season it feels weird to me but i'm gonna do it makes my literally makes my um hips like i really feel like right under my uh, where my belly hangs is kind of pushes in on my hips, kind of makes my intestines feel bad when I push into the power dynamic of like, are you in spaces where people ask, like interrogate things or discuss things by asking a lot of questions? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. I, w I wish I wish they asked them more though. That's, that's fascinating. Like, I think that's, like, I guess there's different energy around questions in different environments. I mean, a lot of the yeah. basic premise of circle is having a prompt. It's yeah. like yeah. passing the talking piece around the circle based on all, all of it's like answering the same question. So there's, yeah, including the, the space holder, including the, you know, circle keeper. Yeah, so I think I, I guess maybe the geometry there is a little different. That uh, lower that lowers my tension immediately. If everyone, if, if it's a fair and equitable thing. I think a lot of times when I'm engaging with arguments with folks, it, it tends to be like, you can tell the dynamic is shifting from collaborators in reason. When someone starts asking a lot of questions or whatever, it tends to be a shift into like, I'm stepping into, I'm judging this competition as well. You know what I mean? I'm arguing and I'm also the debate judge all of a sudden. In which case you're like, well, now it feels like a debate instead of a, like, we're trying to reason through something, you know? And I'm like, yeah. oh. I mean, I, I love questions because I think I'm, I, I, it helps me to be, you know, have a prompt or be coaxed out or be invited in because yeah, yeah. like it's harder for me to inject myself. And I, I dated somebody who was uh, ADHD and, and it was like, she was, and, I, and I've had a few other friends, you know, on the spectrum and whatnot, like, who are like, they begged me to interrupt them. They're just like, I'm not going to stop. Like it's, and, and I won't be offended if you interrupt me. And so it's, it's been a yeah. learning for me just even the last, I don't know, two or three years around that. And, and like, cause it is so hard for me to interrupt people for whatever reason, like probably yeah. a lot of reasons. Um, so I think that's just an important quality of like getting to know people. And I, I sense maybe you're a bit like that. I think there's been a couple of times I've interjected and yeah. I think you're like happy to just let that be the, the new fork in the road. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, especially in, I mean, in this format, most particularly, um, if we recorded like a real conversation of ours, these conversations that last, like let's say this one's gonna last an hour, it would probably be stretched over 
a three hour period. You know what I mean? In natural conversation with Andy Swindler, there are periods of silence, or at least that's what I've become familiar with. And then that's just, then we sit in silence for a while and just breathe or inhale and exhale or whatever, you know what I mean? Or whatever. So then. Okay. Breathing. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Breathing. Uh, Sure. Breathing. Um, So then that, I think me just knowing that makes it so on here, this is an audio flipping recording. So silence is way weirder. And it often an audio recording, any extended silence feels discombobulating as a listener. When you watch something, there's a long thing. If it lasts anything longer than like a second and a half, you pick up your phone, you look at it and you've already, you've stepped, it, it, it throws you out of the, the flow. But yeah. that's all, that's how I listen. Maybe other people don't. Again, this is the fascinating thing about the world. If I hear dead air, I start to go, wait, what's, is this? Did the, the Wi-Fi disconnect? But, but right. and then I, and then I'm not in that room with those people anymore. You know. So what we need the answer to that is more reliable technology because we're still in this awkward phase where it's like yeah my headset died or the battery's out or the Wi-Fi and it's like yeah exactly my AirPods just works like ninety nine point seven nine percent of the time it does it oh, does intentional sound actually I was just I told you I was reading my my sister in law Katie Swindler's uh, book Shameless Plug here uh, Life and Death Design on uh, I believe Rosenfeld. Uh, press uh and she mentions she's talking about really breaking down the stress response and uh oh gosh this is actually a movie concept i'm forgetting what it's called but it's like obviously like crafting a movie has a lot to do with manipulating emotions yes <laughs> um which is funny i was just re-listening to our thing about when we were talking about like can you make somebody feel like that make any make anybody feel anything and i was like yeah I don't know, like, like I'm, I may be adjusting some of my opinions about that. Uh, but, what, you know, Katie was talking about, um, I guess, one of the original ideas for Monty Python's Flying Circus. Uh, I don't know if this was John Cleese or somebody else, but <laughs> this idea to, like, keep lowering the volume. And, and then people would have to, like, stand up. And this was in an age, kids. Yeah. You'd have to stand up and like turn up the volume on your damn television and then yeah. sit back down. And then they'd yeah. like lower the volume again and they'd get up. And then after five minutes, their volume is turned all the way up and you yeah. just like blast <gasps> it. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't get approved. So that didn't make the, you know, I think the BBC was like, no, we can't do that. That's, no, that's your, pre- you're literally assaulting, <laughs> you're orally assaulting people. Um, but one, one thing you had mentioned, I think on text, uh, and I, I don't, I'd like you to share this and maybe unpack it a bit is yeah. um, something about, there was kind of this, this divide or this binary with the, with the feedback you're getting from folks. And I don't know if that's just you generally out on social media or this podcast or, or both, yeah. but it was something about women who know you and women who don't know you. Yeah. And can you share? Oh, yeah. Um, well, yeah. The interesting thing is um well, because I think two of the three people you had spoken to were women. Um, and I actually was recently, uh, I've started making lists over the past week or so. I started making a list of all the concerts I've ever been to, because I haven't been to a show in a while and I was starting to feel like sad about it. And I was like, I've been to a lot of shows in my life. Let me just, well, have, who have I seen? Started making a list. And then I just started making a list two days ago of people uh, who have, uh, who I know in real life who have unfollowed me on social media. <laughs> 
Um, it's dominantly women. Now I think Instagram might be dominantly women anyway, or it seems like the people who do the most heavy amount of interacting on Instagram are women and or the people who I interact with um, on Instagram are women. Now I know when I say that most of the women that I, who are in my D, people who are in my DMs are women, uh, I know that could come across salty or salacious. Um, it is not, uh, I think one bot and then one real person has it ever uh, moved into that territory. Um, and uh, as I, I can swear right now, because my kids are away, I shut that shit down. We don't, I don't play that game. Um, that's pretty much the only people I unfollow on Instagram, by the way, in terms of people, how people, maybe this is informative for people, how people use social media. Um, I only unfollow people I think I've unfollowed two people, three people maybe in the entire history of Instagram uh, of when I've been on there. And I unfollowed them because their content kind of turned more sexual than it was previously. And for me, like lust, kind of controlling my lust and, and not uh, objectifying uh, women um, is something that I think is already hard enough in life. Uh, so I really don't need, I, don't, I, I can't. I, it's not helpful for me to function. I don't need that test. You know what I mean? That's a, that's something I'm already kind of like, I fail that test a lot of, of being, of looking at things I don't need to be looking at or having lustful ideation when I don't need to be having it. Um, so anyway, all that to say, um, the women, these women interactions are actually really just lovely and about thinking differently and women who think differently than me or think similar than me or, um, so all of my feedback online has been, the positive feedback about our podcast uh, more generally than that episode specific um, has been from women. I think maybe one dude, but anyway, let's say five or six women have reached out and had like really positive things to say or reshared the, you know, my episode share or something like that. Um, so it's very interesting to me that I seem to either provoke a very strong um, rejection response or a very strong acceptance response where people feel the way they're expressing it, kind of like taken care of uh, by by me to some degree. They're like, oh, thank you for doing this. Thank you for saying, not even just me, but both of us, you and me. It's like, oh my goodness, thank you for doing that. Because there are, there is this weird, I think there's a gendered tension about it. There's a, a misogyny, misandry like element in women responding to men and men responding to women. Um, and so I think it's very, I think there may be even a divide, this is pure conjecture, of what people think men are for in the world. In that some women think men are supposed to be strident leaders. Um, they are supposed to be protective. They're supposed to like be, be leaders in some way. And I think our podcast is a leadership podcast ultimately. And that I think we are trying, I, I saw a, a, a wound in the culture and I saw that you and I don't live as though that wound exists. And so I was like, cool, let's show, let's lead. Let's show people how you can do this and completely disagree and actually walk away disagreeing and then be like, hey, let's talk about this then, talk about it again next week. Sure, see you then, you know what I mean? And it doesn't have to lead to rancor and it's not about platforming. Like when you're talking about things that I don't agree with, I'm not like, oh gosh, I'm really, I'm platforming because I'm sharing this stuff, you know, with a bunch of my Christian friends and I'm really platforming Andy's, you know, agnostic or maybe even new age ideas. It's like, what, what are you talking about? We live in the world, man. We talked about I might be full on pagan. I don't even know. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm, I'm promoting, I'm platforming a pagan. <laughs> preposterous. Um, anyway, so that, that to me was You're the- platforming like, a preposterous pagan? Preposterous pagan. Please, please, Eddie. Um, 
so yeah, I don't know. That was an interesting thing to me. I was like, oh wow, this is like, and it, and as a man, of course, being rejected or accepted by women in both cases, non-sexual, non-romantic, but it still has a strange tie-in with that. Where I was like, well, yeah, this to me, I'm also not that worried about it because uh, this tracks. I was like, this is how most of my life has been. I, I'm a, I'm a bit of a love like once you actually. I spend any time with you, or even sometimes very quickly, I've noticed, uh, with strangers who will engage, who are like, hey, I'm a friendly stranger. Would you like to talk? And I'm like, heck, yes, I would. And I'm, I will completely talk about what you want to talk. And some people are like, oh, I wasn't ready. I was looking for a small talk. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be, and I think it's a good place to be, uh, where people either love you or hate you. Um, I think if you live oh. in the middle, everyone's like, oh, he's all right. Like, oh, no, you're not. I don't think you're living. I don't think you're living, dude. Yeah, it's, um, I hang out with a lot of, you know, consciousness folks, maybe post new age, non-dualist, however you want to say it. Uh, and so many words. It, it, it's lots of words. And I'm all about the oneness. I'm all about, we are all, everything's energy. We're all connected. You know, I may have an, an, a heightened ability to even perceive some of that. Yeah. And I feel like, well, however we got here, how, why, like we're here to to be in duality we're here to have contrast to have yeah. shape and form and yeah. difference and because otherwise yeah we would just dissolve into the oneness and like yeah you know, like a lot of people believe like there's like a line of souls trying to get into earth like there's a, <laughs> a fucking wait list because yeah, this yeah, is yeah. such a special place in the universe where we get to experience this tension this aliveness, this re reality. We've uh, got a problem. We've got a problem on the border, okay? <laughs> we're we're going to build a hitchhiker level kind of wall. Uh, yes. Right? Yeah. All those are that big. Yeah. Uh, so something else that, that I was intrigued by was, so so I think we both accept that there's some format notes. Uh, you know, we've, we've been a bit fast and loose here. I mean, you've done more organizing than I have, whether it's the actual production and publishing or or the your like the fact checking on Tumblr, um, you know, and, and I think just maybe that was laziness or just where I am in life. I was like, I just kind of want to show up and do this thing, and and like we'll see where it goes. Yeah, and it's possible <laughs> that it is it is funny, right? Like you were saying about acting, like starting to consider the audience as as more more part of the equation here. Uh, I mean, I've heard many people say, and I agree with this, like a, a great podcast is, is, a, is just a good conversation. So I think that's been sure. the premise. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet, okay, for some of these where we do have, I mean, most of these, we, we are really trying to get at a topic and try to get at a question, often a paradoxical, perhaps unanswerable question, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and even within that, there may be value to having an outline, having some sense of, of how we get to where we go. Um, that's that's consistent or at least a little more efficient and one of the things i was curious about it was without like redoing all of our intro stuff because i we have an entire episode that's introducing us maybe more than one the, i one of the pieces i got was when we just drop right into that especially that that uh abortion episode when it was presented you know i, I think i think generally i i agree with your idea of like well let's let's at least parse all of these different arguments and let's at least then decide which ones um are, are more beneficial which ones are going to have more bearing 
which ones maybe even seem to have some kind of conclusion we could get to. And your efficiency to get there maybe was, was read as a kind of dismissiveness. Like, like oh, yeah. just, and maybe it is because you've like spent many, many years reasoning and, and actually literally dismissing these things. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm just like, that's something I'm noodling on is like, mm, well, but for such an emotionally charged topic, how do we approach it with the care and love and respect that I know we both have for, for, for life in the world? Because without that, I wouldn't be here. And I, I don't know yeah. that you would either hear yeah, talking yeah. about any of these things, because otherwise, who the hell cares? Why does it matter? Why talk about it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, interesting. Yeah. Well, again, but this may speak to us, too, that I'm a pull. Like, I would have people pull the Band-Aid off me fast, and I would pull the Band-Aid off fast. I don't like doing it, but that's, I feel like, it doesn't matter whether I like it. It doesn't matter how I feel about it. I think it's the best way. You know what I mean? So I, it, I think certainly, and I am, but I am as not as naturally empathic as you. I don't care. I don't really care that much about the pain. I'll go, I'll do the thing to make the person feel like I care. So then they feel cared for. But if my job is to rip the bandaid off, then I, I can't care about your pain because it's going to make it harder for me to do my job. It's like a flipping doctor, right? And that, and when I'm doing surgery, I can't be emotionally involved in the flipping surgery. That's why family members don't really do many surgeries on their families. You know what I mean? You have someone else do it. You're like, oh, this is my mom. I can't do this. I have to be if I'm doing surgery. So that to me, when I was going, especially in the abortion episode, if we're going to be going through arguments that we need to excise, and I'm literally saying these are cancerous, like we need to cut these out. So no, like it's not. And you're like, oh, but that's my body you're cutting open. You're like, well, what does that have to do with it? Like you, you can have an emotional response about your tumor all you want, but if it's a tumor, and that's what I was like, let's, is this a tumor? Is what I was bringing up piece after piece. Like, is this a tumor? And if it's a tumor, we just got to cut it. So to me, it's like, it literally was like treating us like consulting doctors. Are these arguments tumorous? Are they cancerous? Are they harmful? Because having an argument that's not real about something you're arguing about is toxic, awful. I mean, it's good to do it in order to figure out it's not real, but if you keep doing it over and over again, which certainly happens with abortion, and I think because of that same premise of like, there's this sensitivity thing that has some part to do with it, but some of it, it doesn't. Cause it's weird. It's like, you don't dance around or kind of like, you know, now listen, obviously as a doctor, I know my first, you know, after I do my residency, my note from my uh, supervising surgeon would be, you gotta work on your bedside manner. <laughs> yeah. But that's how I, that's how I would get rid of tumors. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't care whether you like your tumor. Like I'm getting rid of it. And by the way, when I was in Austin, I picked up some bravery badges cute unicorn bravery badges congratulations otherwise known as band-aids but you know you can't call them band-aids oh they're <laughs> that points to the wound but the yeah. bravery badge points to like the fact that i was brave enough to take care of my wound oh yeah or brave enough to earn the wound brave enough to yeah ask for help or take care of yourself clean up your own mess but yeah, well, but I think that that's a difficult space. I think we both have different uh, handlings with, because again, I don't care that much if people get upset, as long as I'm do, saying something true. If I'm saying something that's like, I don't know is true and I've upset someone, then I shift out of ration mode into emotion mode. You know what I mean? But I'm, again, I'm more of a shift. I'm more of like a, I, I kind of, I feel like I leapfrog from compartment to compartment as a thinker potentially. 
I don't know. I'm just analyzing my own thought process. Who knows how accurate, accurate that would ever be, but. Well, yeah, and there's a dance between like <laughs> wanting to be like reasonably digestible and entertaining and effective yeah. uh, and also not like over strategizing. Like, where's that line? Not, not yes. all the way into yeah, like yeah. full on, I don't know, national newsroom where we're like every damn, you know, element is. Uh, is is strategized is considered is researched is yeah yeah weighed is is weighed you know sent through legal yeah sent through legal <laughs> we don't even have yeah. legal we don't focus grouped to death yeah we no. don't we don't we don't we don't want that i don't want that but again that's again i tend towards rationalism so for me yeah i wouldn't and with abortion i'm kind of like since the fun we and this is the thing too i was like the sensitivity around abortion is and I'm already going to irritate people right now. Like it's, it's overhyped. It is way overrated because ultimately we know, and this is what we had, we're talking about in our show. If, if, if we're all being honest with each other, we're talking about two lives here, two human lives here. And so this is like life and death stuff. So then is life and death conversations, is that the time to be like, well, you know, really you want to speak about it in a certain way or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, no, like if someone's on death row or whatever, and this again, I grew up watching movies and I live my life kind of as though movies are real. So this is also speaks to who I am that like, no, you go and you stridently tell the mayor to his, the governor to his face, get on the damn phone and make the fucking call. You know what I mean? You don't go, well, you've got to, I mean, listen, the, you have to know the governor has a lot on his plate and this man did, you know, uh, murder some of his associates who so he is a murderer. We don't want to take him off death row. And you're like, what? No, we're talking about life and death here. This isn't time to go like, well, you know, people might feel certain ways about it. And you have to understand how guilty the governor's felt every other time he's had to preside and allow an execution to happen. Like that's life and death stuff on his conscience. But to me, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to even audition for the character who is concerned about that. I'm like, no, we have to have these conversations. Like this is life and death stuff. And everyone's had, at the time we had the conversation, I was like, the conversation was everywhere until it's about two weeks, y'all I've noticed. It's about two weeks and there's a brand new number one, most important thing that everyone needs to be talking about. Uh, I just started paying attention to the news the past two years and oh my gosh, what a roller coaster. <laughs> and it was, it was, and I, and I, I want to, I'm going to be slightly careful how I say this because I don't want it to sound dismissive. It was, I believe the school shooting. And the thing that gets me about that is that there's a mass shooting basically every day in this country. Yeah. Yeah. Depending how you categorize it. Absolutely. And so I, I yes, it's tragic. Yes. I, I, I think I could be on board that it's more tragic because it's children and I think to your point, like, what is this staccato news cycle, attention yeah. cycle where, yeah. oh, okay, we cared about that, we, yeah. you know. <laughs> now it's this, now it's this. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and throw this out to the world and people listen to me if you'd like. Uh, I'm pretty sure my strongest thesis most recently is at, especially as like, abortion, gun control, uh, January 6th hearings, all three of those like very dominant news items that were kind of like weaponized for everyone to talk about and then hyped up on Twitter and then blah, blah, blah. They're, they're all 
designed to accentuate uh, political partisan bickering. Accentuating political particle, like partisan bickering enhances the likelihood that people will feel energized enough to go out and vote. We were just in a like primary election cycle and in the midterms or whatever they're called. So I was like, this is specifically weaponized. And all three of them are very easily weaponized by legacy media, press, or news organizations to vilify Republicans. Because right now, I don't know if people are paying attention to polling, but the Democrats have lost, like, I think it's that over the past year, it's like 17% Democratic supporter, 13 to 17% slipped. It's the, it's the largest, like, mm -hmm. loss of confidence in the Democratic Party in, I think, 50 years or 48 years or, like, you know, an enormous, like, my entire lifetime. Wow. Um, so, paying attention to that, I was like, oh, all of these allow Republicans to be vilified in a way that kind of, like, activates democrat leaning people to be like yes that's why we have to get them because what we learned in we've known our whole entire lives but we especially learned in the trump years uh and for media because trump was such a boom for media is that he was such a he was a great villain <laughs> and so he led to like huge numbers and huge revenues um and a huge swell for the for the democratic party running pretty much on we're not trump Right, like Biden won the presidency pretty much by not being Trump. He barely campaigned. He's a terrible candidate. He's an awful president. Nobody, I mean, no, no Democrats were excited really about Biden. Like he's not exciting. He wasn't. He wasn't the best in the primaries. He was meandering. He's old. He's he's done a ter like our country's in shambles or whatever. You know all that sort of stuff. But like he won because he wasn't that flipping awful guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he got like he's. He got more votes than Obama, y'all. Biden got more votes than Obama. That's nuts. Because Obama, whether you liked him or not, that's not front. That was a great candidate. That dude was charismatic as heck. Tall, athletic, uh, like had a good vocal tone, smart. His wife was smart. You know what lots I mean? Of, lots of pauses. He really, I know, but he's got like a high Q score. You know what I mean? He's got, and he's distinctive. You can, and you can even, like, he's mockable in a way that's just like, I felt like, anyway, the dude was a great candidate. Let's not front. But um, all of that to say, I think that's part of what the, the, especially lately, I feel like all of a sudden, for two years, it was like COVID, 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 right? And then maybe riots and then blah, 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 you know, BLM riots or blah, you know, a bunch of things would kind of pop up, but it was pretty heavily COVID. Meanwhile, all these terrible things are still happening every single day. Then all of a sudden, COVID, paying attention to COVID was done because it's just kind of like it had lost its political impact for, for everybody, but especially, I think, for the Democratic Party. So then since the Democratic Party, like left, you know, whatever, left biased media is the, is the dominant form of news media. And that's not me. I'm not a Republican. That's just a fact. Um, so again, I think that's why they weaponize it is to provoke division, hatred to where, for example, you can live in a world where someone's spouting something that is the opposite of your tribe is seen as dangerous or platforming something like malevolent, you know, or evil. So to me, it's all about enhancing tribalism in order to drive votes and make politicians more money and then make corporations more money. I mean, it's literally, it's just, it's Noam Chomsky's, you know, warnings about the evils of society kind of stuff. <laughs> but again, I think these are all opportunities because I'm a hopeful nerd. I see these things come up and rile people up and I'm like, oh, great. Because we can come and reason together. And we realize once we apply reason, we can actually untangle a lot of the tension parts. 
because you're like, oh, that's not even real. The things I'm saying, oh, that's not a true thing that I was saying. I just said it because I heard it or, or whatever. Like every, every one for me is a, is a, it's a firefight, but it's, it's an opportunity to like jump into the firefight and start pulling masks off and be like, oh my gosh, look, it's your brother and sister. It's not, it's not the enemy. Like you. Like, like black mirror like that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. It's the, but it's, I mean, that was an othering episode, right? So like, right. let's say we're, we're not others. We're not others. Democratic, Republican, that's not a real, that's not a real thing. So, so, a, you, so you're about reason. I'm about embodiment. Yeah. And, and interestingly, I, I've often thought, <laughs> two things I've done very little of in my life, dance and acting. Yeah. Both seem to be arguably like the most embodied art forms. Um, yeah. I mean, first of all, performance art in general, because it's just totally, yeah. it has to be done then. You can't be like, you know what? I'm going to just, unless that's the, unless that's the performance Unless that's the performance art. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you just take a break. Um, you know, dance just being like, I don't know, arguably the purest form because it's, just your body <laughs> moving, right? But yeah, then yeah. I've often thought this about acting, and I wonder if this is true for you, like maybe even more so with improv, needing to be on your toes. Because I mean, I, I imagine if you've done a play like 600 times, you you know, you, you might be able to call it in. Sure. Uh, but I, I just imagine actors have to be really there. I mean, to, to step into another character with your body. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is that, do you find that to be true? Oh, absolutely. And, and funnily enough, that's not, I think, naturally how I would do it, but that is how God has sent me to learn acting. So like my uh, professor at Northwestern, David Downs, um, wrote a book called The Actor's Eye. And it's all about observing physical reality on other human beings and using that as the means to create a character. So it's mm -hmm. not about internal motivation. It's like, no, what does your character move like? What do they, what do they, what are their shoulders stoop like? How do they tilt their head when they're listening? Where do they look when they're talking? Blah, blah. You know what I mean? And you just form that and then go do the scene and then you can do all your back work and all the other stuff. You can write a whole backstory, but it's literally body, it's sort of outside in. It's, it's body, mm. body led. And then when I learned improv, same thing. It was that like our professors, whatever the school I, improv school I learned improv, they would be delighted if you did a scene and never spoke. It was all silent comedy and it's all physical based. There was no suggestions. It wasn't about one-upping each other. It's literally about moving physically in a space together until something arrives because it always will. So it's hilarious that, uh, yeah, my training has actually been in some ways opposite my natural tendencies, which I think is good. I mean, that's in some ways it kind of like helps me. I don't know. I, I like making things harder on myself because I think it's better for my brain and it's better for my balance, you know? If I just went and did things that like I liked or that were like right in my zone or in my vibe, I feel like all I'm doing is ultimately, not all I'm doing, but at least half of what I'm doing is feeding my own desire as opposed to trying to achieve an end and being like, what's the best way to get there? Is the way that I want to go there or is it the best way? You know what I mean? And those are separate. That's like saying like, what's the best movie or what's your favorite movie? Those are not the same things, you know? Well, I'm noticing we're at time, and I'd like to think that we are on the best path. <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> well, if we're on the best path, then we have nothing to change about what we're doing. <laughs> Perhaps that is true. Uh, I, I appreciated the opportunity for this navel-gazing episode. We'll get back to uh, topical questions next time. Uh, yeah. We we this was valuable for me to unpack a few things here and maybe for those whether you're whether or not you're recording a podcast at home, uh, yeah. maybe, maybe just some some 
some things to note on about how we interact with our friends and neighbors and country folks, uh, and, and maybe we can do it better. And if you have any feedback, giving us feedback on our feedback episode, um, this is, we're obviously primed to receive it or reject it utterly. Yeah, where's that, where's that suggestion box that goes into oblivion? <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's right on the stove. Oh yeah, we should have one. Uh, what do we want to be like? Um, uh, you're the greatest at totallyclassic.com. Or, yeah, uh, yeah. So at least there's one nice comment in it, in built into the actual name. Yeah. Everything else from there is just total shitstorm. Just yeah, they do not like. They're us. like, really? I have to type this email address. Yeah. <laughs> now I have to make that. That's like in recording. I know you said it. You said it. Gotta do it. Right. Well, well, I love you, and uh, we'll either do better or do different next week. Indeed, love you too. Take care. Mwah.